welcome to Deep Rooted Healing, a contemplative podcast exploring the healing bridges that connect the body, mind, heart, and soul, including creative practices, touch, nature, spirituality, and community. I'm Emma Freeman, an artist, poet, massage therapist, and Reiki practitioner. I'm a highly sensitive person and sober. This podcast is a record of my own unfolding spiritual journey. May it be supportive for you in some way. I'm so glad you're here. Hello. Today I want to talk about developing and nurturing a contemplative practice, um, both an art practice and a healing practice in general. And I love the definition of contemplation that I heard the poet Naomi Shihad Nye mention in an interview she did on the On Being podcast. She said it's a long, loving look. A long, loving look. Ugh, I love that. I've also read that it means to look at something with continued attention, to observe thoughtfully, to consider something thoroughly, to think fully and deeply about something. I think all those definitions are just beautiful and inviting. I love them. Um, So before I share... Um, how contemplation has been impacting my life and my art practice, I wanted to start with a poem by a great contemplative, Mary Oliver, who I turn to often. Um, This poem is called Today. Today I'm flying low and I'm not saying a word. I'm letting all the voodoos of ambition sleep. The world goes on as it must. The bees in the garden rumble a little the fish leaping, the gnats getting eaten, and so forth. But I'm taking the day off, quiet as a feather. I hardly move, though really I'm traveling a terrific distance. Stillness, one of the doors into the temple. Mm, I love that poem. I love it for so many reasons, but I feel like it's about contemplation and that stillness that can invite us to invites me to a deeper place I think invites her to a deeper place Um, so contemplation has become a really essential part of my art practice and my life in general over the last few years it's helped me and continues to help me heal my deepest wounds, travel back in time throughout my life, and find younger versions of me that were or are still hurting, that were asking for help and attention, and that were that are stuck or were stuck. It was through the practice of contemplation that I was able to change my relationship to alcohol, to being defensive and guarded and to um, people-pleasing, to anger and other difficult emotions, to anxiety, um, to my role and choices in various relationships, and the list goes on and on and on. And I, through the healing process that I've gone through, I've, I've learned to take a long, loving look and contemplate myself and all the parts of me um, and parts that I used to label as bad or good or right and wrong with that polarized way of thinking that really led to so much suffering in my life. And I didn't realize I was doing it or that there was any other way to be. It just showed up in me, so I thought that's just who I was. Um, But the practice, the contemplative practice, 
has been transformative and has rippled out into all parts of my life. So some of the ways that I enter that deeper space within myself, um, one of the most powerful ways has been if I'm trying to revisit a younger version of me because something happened that stirred up a memory or an experience, um, I will find a photo of me from around that age and bring it back to my art table and sit with it. And I'll spend time looking at that younger me and let my imagination go back to anything I can remember about her. Really fill in the details, anything about her personality, about how she dressed, who her friends were, how she spent time, anything that comes up. I really kind of let my imagination wander there and kind of fill her in and kind of bring her back to life. And then I'll close my eyes and I'll ask her questions about her pain, about what happened, why she feels the way she does. And I tell her all silently in my mind that she's not alone, that I understand and believe her, that I've been through the same thing. And we connect and form this closer bond in my mind, in my body. And sometimes I'll revisit a specific memory that was painful and walk through it with her as I am now, so as this adult version of me, um, but I kind of time travel back through my mind through this guided meditation, um, self-guided meditation, and I help her as the adult version of myself. It's been so powerful and transformational. And I did this um, one time with a memory I had of being in elementary school, maybe third grade, and I was in art class and feeling like I couldn't draw because that memory had such a huge impact on my self-belief about being an artist. And I wanted to see if I could revisit the memory and help heal or transform that younger version of myself in any way. So I closed my eyes and I imagined walking down the hallway of my elementary school. I filled in as many details as I could. So the lighting, the artwork hanging on the walls, the lockers, lunch boxes and coats hanging in cubbies, the smell of the lunchroom, anything that I could fill in. And I walked and walked down the hallway and I came to the classroom door and I opened the door and imagined a room full of kids with the art teacher and everyone working at their tables and I saw this younger version of me at one of the tables. It was a little bit fuzzy but I didn't, you know, it wasn't about being perfect. It just kind of let my imagination imagine that she was there. I walked up and I said hi and I again all this is all silently in my mind and I asked if I could sit down with her and she said yes and I noticed she had paper and pencils and colored pencils in front of her with scribbles like she had scribbled out a drawing and I could sense she was feeling sad and upset because I remembered feeling that way I kind of filled in those details and I saw the boy, this boy sitting across from her, drawing an elaborate image from his imagination. And then I asked her if she wanted to draw with me. And she looked at me and I could feel her doubt that she could, that she could draw. And I said, you know, when I was your age, I believed, I thought I couldn't draw. I saw someone in my art class who I thought could draw way better than me from some you know, imaginary place and I couldn't do that. So I thought I couldn't draw and that I wasn't an artist. And you know what? It took me a long time to realize that I actually can draw and that I am an artist. And you know what else? 
I believe that you're an artist and that you can draw too. You just draw differently than him and everyone takes a different approach and there's actually no right way to draw. And I also believe that being an artist means all kinds of things, like the way you pick out your outfits and the way you decorate your room and the way you think, those are all creative. So then I said to her in my mind, would you like me to show you how I draw and see if you like it? And she nodded yes, so I walked her through a drawing practice. I, I talked about how I think about how everything like if I want to draw something it's just simple lines and shapes and so I had her draw a line with me and then draw a circle at the top of the line and then a circle within that circle and then some lines coming off of that circle with other little circles and then we made a leaf shape and suddenly we had a flower on the page and we did that multiple times with different shapes and I told her that she could add and it said what I like to do then once I have one flower is use that as my stepping up point so then I'll try drawing a flower just like that one but I'll change one thing so maybe it's instead of a circle it's kind of an oval shape or maybe it's shorter so the stem is shorter or maybe um, it has um, little like extra petals on it and I told her that by doing that, how I, that's how I build drawings, and you can do that endlessly. And then you can fill in whatever colors you like. You can add in other details if they pop into your imagination. And that's how I draw. And um, I asked her, I looked at her, noticed that her energy had changed, and I asked her how it was feeling and what she thought of drawing in this way. And she said, you know, she kind of smiled and said that she liked it. And I gave her, um, I pulled a sketchbook out of my bag and it said Emma's sketchbook on it. And I had this little packet of special pens and markers and I gave them to her. And I said, these are just for you. And I said, I put little messages in there and little prompts I started a drawing on some of the pages that you can add to this is just for you to play in and explore and see what happens there's no right or wrong way you don't have to show it to anybody if you don't want to and she took it and she said thank you and I said if you you, if you reach a point where you're struggling again or you have questions, you can always find me. I'm always here. Just ask for me. And, and then the bell rang, so class was finished, and she packed up her things and put them in her backpack. And we both stood up from the table, and we hugged each other. And then we walked out of the classroom together, and I opened my eyes. And that was the end of the meditation. And the first time I did that, I just sobbed. It moved me so deeply and surprised me by how vivid it was. And I revisited, I didn't tell, this is the first time I'm talking about this, actually, I haven't told anyone about it. Um, I visited that meditation multiple times after that. And as time went on, I found that the memory, when, when that memory came back, or when I recalled it, 
It now included and does include these new experiences of older me teaching younger me and healing what was before just a painful experience that felt stuck and kind of like um, solid. Like there wasn't any wiggle room with the memory. It just was what it was. And that was painful. And with this new experience, I found when the memory came up now, when it comes up, it's changed the memory. The original one is still there, but it's like this new, these new memories are, are like woven within it. So along with that, like there's like a ghost of the pain, kind of remember that it was there, but there's also these feelings of encouragement and love and play and generosity too. And it was incredibly powerful. And it couldn't have happened without that contemplative approach to looking at my past and myself in that long loving way. And I wonder if um, if that resonates with you or if you've ever done something similar, if you want to try something like that with your own experiences and see what happens. Um, I also wanted to share that when I first started my healing journey and began contemplating different parts of myself, it was so overwhelming and difficult, the most difficult thing that's that I've ever been through. Um, and I could only do it in small, very small amounts of time at first because all of this intense anxiety and fear and overwhelm came with it. But over time, as I continued to practice and with the help of therapists and a close partner who I could open up to, I found that I could spend more time in memories and within myself exploring and trying to understand what was going on in deeper ways. And that has only gotten more and more comfortable. I mean, it's been, you know, now six years probably since I started. And now I crave that deeper space. I crave the contemplative space. Um, but it's taken time and practice to cultivate it. It has for me anyway. Um, maybe it's different for you. Um, so some of the ways now that I use a contemplative approach to my art practice are um, I sit in at my art table and I'll closely watch, um, sometimes it's just looking out the window and watching animals or watching the clouds um, and I let my imagination kind of wander off and just open up. And other times I'm sitting with specific pieces that I'm working on. Um, if I'm stitching, I notice that um, the rhythmic movement, the repetition of it helps my mind open up and enter that more contemplative deep space where I'll start to think about different things and kind of wander off. Um, it's like doorways reveal themselves, like new questions bubble up to the surface and new ideas emerge and um, words arrive in the form of poems and I notice things that I didn't before, that I that I didn't in when I was, when I didn't have access to that deeper space, when I was living more on the surface of things. And when I was rushing to find answers um, or know the outcome first, which still happens sometimes, and this is an active practice, the doorways don't reveal themselves. And I feel that anxious energy moving through my body. It's like telling me, hurry up, quick, find the answer, find, make the thing and sell the thing and find the person who likes the thing, you know, all those kinds of thoughts. And that's such a different space to exist in. And I existed in that world for most of, for a lot of my life.
Um, and now when I'm creating something, whether that's a fabric meditation book or a small weaving or a poem or a piece of nature, I move slowly, like really slowly. And along the way, the piece emerges and you know, I'll start with a, the spark of an idea, but then it'll go in different directions if I allow it to. And I stop and look at it throughout the process and allow my wonder to unfold within it softly. And just see where it goes. And I ask quiet questions um, during that process, but not in a hypercritical, polarized way of like, is this right or wrong or good or bad? But rather, what are these materials saying to me? What's emerged after that initial spark that got me started in this particular dance with the creative process? Is there something that is showing itself to me? Do the materials want me to take a different step than my mind wants me to? How might I respond to that new information? Those are some of the questions that I'll, I'll ask myself quietly. And this all happens internally intuitively, really gently. And I've discovered this way of being in my art practice through just that, through just practicing, through stillness and solitude and reflection and contemplation and that spaciousness that opens up through all of those. That's such a gift. And I'm in awe of the experiences that I have at my art table and the new realms that invite me into them to explore and wander around and see inside of each piece and inside materials and inside words and inside my own body and um, inside nature. And some of the ways that I um, will like kind of specifically work with a piece of art that I'm making I'll let my eyes wander across a piece really slowly, really thoughtfully, and I'll take in any nuances and subtleties that reveal themselves to me um, while I'm paying attention and fully present. And I notice that a lot reveals itself that way. And I'll run my fingers over the surface of it and feel the textures. And for the same reason, um, to feel the subtleties and the nuance. And it it's not like... I'm trying to gather information for a test. It's more like I'm soaking in whatever's in front of me and exploring and discovering. And that really adds such a depth to the experience of making the art for me because I'm in tune with suddenly so much more than at the beginning or if I'm rushing or have any kind of like fast energy there during the creative process. I also sit in silence with a piece for a while and just watch it without moving anything around. Um, and I, some other questions that I'll ask the piece and myself, does this, does my eye stop anywhere and feel like it gets stuck? Is there a natural ease and flow to the piece? Is there any part that's kind of asking for my attention? And when I do this, usually something comes to the surface. And it's like this beautiful saying by Lao Tzu that I have written on my table with me, always. Um, he wrote it during uh, in the Tao Te Ching, and it says, Do you have the patience to wait until the mud settles and the water is clear? Can you remain unmoving until the right action arises by itself? And I love that quote because it's a reminder to me to be patient and 
not rush things, but also be ready for action when it is clear. And that can be a, a subtle thing, um, but it is, it's something that speaks to me and really has been helpful in my art practice and my life. I also spend time trying to feel the energy of a piece too, which is a subtle and beautiful thing to come into awareness with. I ask myself in the piece in my mind, does this, like, what does the energy of this piece feel like? And not to try to solve a puzzle, more to just come into tune with it, what's naturally there. Um, is it moving me? Does it feel alive? And do any parts of it feel stagnant or like it's asking for some fresh flow of energy in that spot? These soft questions that don't have clear, concrete answers really just help and deepen my practice and the pieces that I'm making. Just by inviting those deeper questions into my process, I find that I change, so the process changes and the pieces change. And it's just kind of this ongoing evolution. I also let pieces sit in process at my table or when they're finished or they feel finished at my table. I let them breathe like together. So have multiple pieces together at one time. And when I do this, I find that inevitably, like if something felt unsure or unclear to me before, just like that quote said, something will become clear if I'm patient. Um, and uh, and a, a new question will arise or a new, um, new step forward will reveal itself. It's this unhurried, long conversation with each piece and no rushing, which has certainly taken practice in a culture that's always encouraging us to move faster and do more things. Um, I also try to clear my physical space often and my energetic space often. That's become a, a newer practice that's been really helpful. But at my art table, you know, it does tend to get cluttered because I work on multiple things at once. So I can sense now when it's feeling claustrophobic, like I need to make a clearing. So I move everything off and clean the surface of the table, put pieces away, move little objects around. I have little pieces of nature with me all the time. So I'll just kind of move everything around. And that really just helps change the energy of my table, which is the space where the creative energy shows up. So often then when I bring a piece back and into that clear space, I can, I'll see things differently or just kind of feels different or better or lighter. Um, again, it's not concrete or any kind of solid things. It's all very soft. Um, but this is all, you know, that, that part of the practice and everything I've shared so far really has helped, really has just become my practice. And that's where these pieces naturally are emerging from being really intentional about all of the components and that contemplation piece is so essential because it's inviting those deeper questions and deeper awareness and um, not um, rushing, not trying to, to get to a, any finish line quickly. Um, and I'm, you know, really just continuing to work on shifting away from focusing on outcomes in my art practice and my life and embracing the process and the sparks of ideas that invite me into that creative process where inevitably I keep learning something will emerge. So if I trust those ideas, if I can sense that it's something that I want to explore, I trust that 
and more and more don't need to know where it's guiding me to, what it's going to turn out to be, who's going to like it, who's going to buy it. But my mind wants to focus on results because I grew up under capitalism and that's deep in my body and I'm trying to actually contemplate on that a lot lately and write on it and reflect like how deep it goes and how it's woven into my thoughts and my emotions and beliefs and I'm trying to kind of get it to move and um, see if I can pull some of that out of me and create some space for other ways of being and I'm trying to just retrain my mind to focus on that expansive process of making art um, rather than on the product, uh, which is an ongoing practice, um, but it's, it's so, it feels so much better. <laughs> it feels so rich and good. And when I find myself getting swept up into thinking about the outcome first too much, which definitely still happens, I will um, try to redirect the energy. So I'll take a step back, step away from my art table, do yoga, go for a walk by myself in nature, take a nap, take my dogs for a walk, read a book. I try to um, like put myself into a different space where that energy can dissolve and move away those thoughts and feelings, which inevitably will, will just pass like clouds. And then I can return to the creative process when I feel more clear. And that's really that patience and that trust that it will pass and that I can um, always return. And this sometimes happens multiple times a day, although that used to happen more and more. Now that I'm practicing this way, it's happening less and less, which is really nice. And... Um, this practice of contemplation feels connected to the Zen Buddhist practice of Zazen or seated meditation that I've been learning about because I'm sitting in stillness at my table and I'm allowing whatever thoughts and emotions show up to show up without resistance and just kind of watch them and then contemplate with them, go deep with them, look at them from all angles, really become friends with them, however difficult that is or painful that is. And it changes whatever that thing is. And it helps me respond to my whole life with deeper awareness. And, um, and also it changes my relationship to emotions like fear and anxiety and pain and, um, it has given me tools to look at those things and those parts, those emotions and thoughts that just naturally show up within all of us. Um, it's really helped me. It's like given me a toolbox to explore them and understand them and um, not let them control me in the ways that they used to. And contemplation can be such a beautiful gift. And as I've settled into this contemplative art and spiritual and healing practice, I really felt deeply nourished by it and fulfilled by it. It allows me to have a deeper relationship with myself, with the art I'm making, with the creative process, with other humans and other creatures, and with this planet. And gosh, don't we all need that? 
it invites me to look more closely at my life in so many different ways and then continue to help me find ways forward that feel like they're rooted in a deeper, more true, more aligned space. Um, and then I can share from there, then I can teach from there, then I can, you know, reveal whatever is emerging from me in an art piece or if I'm feeling like I want to share something on this podcast or in writing, you know, it all is connected and it has been and continues to be so valuable and important for my life. And I wonder, do you have a contemplative practice? If you do, what does it mean to you and, and what does it offer to you and how have you cultivated it and has it changed over time? Um, and if you don't have one or you don't think you have one, I wonder if do you spend out time outside even just for a few minutes like feeling the fresh air or watching the trees or listening to the birds um or if you have an art practice or like to read i think all of those things are contemplative practices um, they all invite us to go deeper into other worlds and into ourselves and it could be a glimpse it could be five minutes or maybe it's multiple hours um, and I, I feel like, you know, contemplation can be such a natural, easy experience to, to visit within ourselves. It is for me now that I've learned the art of it and continue to practice that. It certainly didn't feel natural before I practiced or became aware of it. Um, and if we aren't practiced at it, like I wasn't, it felt really awkward and uncomfortable and scary at first, but through the practice, it became this therapeutic healing sanctuary to return to within myself that offers so much healing and insight and clarity and wonder and creativity and meaning that's, I mean, transformative. And I wonder how might you invite contemplation into your days if you resonate with it and would how might that feel? And Or if you already do invite it into your days, or maybe you're just naturally contemplative and you've always been that way. No, I'm so curious how that impacts you and how you think about and feel about contemplation, if it's something that you have thought about or if this is a new thing to you. I found a few quotes about contemplation that I wanted to share that resonated. The first one is, what we plant in the soil of contemplation, we shall reap in the harvest of action. Meister Eckhart. I love that. What we plant in the soil of contemplation, we shall reap in the harvest of action. I find that to be so true. The deeper places I go, the time I spend in contemplation, it does then inspire me to action in my life, in my art practice. Um, another one, another quote is, Give yourself the gift of five minutes of contemplation in awe of everything you see around you. Go outside and turn your attention to the many miracles around you. This five-minute-a-day regimen of appreciation and gratitude will help you focus your life in awe. Wayne Dyer said that. And um, the last one is, I feel like I'm stepping into a place of spiritual contemplation every time I enter a studio. It's always had a certain magic to me that has never worn off with familiarity. David Knopfler said that. And I'm assuming, guessing, studio means art studio. Um, so I thought that one, that one 
was a good one to share. And I thought I would end by um, sharing another poem, another favorite um, from our, another contemplative who has passed away, but John O'Donohue, whose poetry I've shared before on the podcast. Um, this is a poem from his book, To Bless the Space Between Us, and it's called, hold on, let me look. It's called For the Unknown Self. So much of what delights and troubles you happens on a surface you take for ground. Your mind thinks your life alone. Your eyes consider air your nearest neighbor. Yet it seems that a little below your heart, there houses in you an unknown self who prefers the patterns of the dark and is not persuaded by the eye's affection or caught by a flash of thought. It is a self that enjoys contemplative patience with all your unfolding expression, is never drawn to break into light, though you entangle yourself in unworthiness and misjudge what you do and who you are. It presides within like an evening freedom that will often see you enchanted by twilight without ever recognizing the falling night. It resembles the under earth of your visible life all you do and say and think is fostered deep in its opaque and previent clay. It dwells in a strange yet rhythmic ease that is not ruffled by disappointment. It presides in a deeper current of time, free from the force of cause and sequence that otherwise shapes your life. Were it to break forth into day, its dark light might quench your mind, for it knows how your primeval heart sisters every cell of your life to all your known mind would avoid. Thus it knows to dwell in you gently, offering you only discreet glimpses of how you construct your life. At times it will lead you strangely, magnetized by some resonance that ambushes your vigilance. It works most resolutely at night, as the poet who draws your dreams, creating for you many secret doors decorated with pictures of your hunger. It has the dignity of the angelic that knows you to your roots, always awaiting your deeper befriending to take you beyond the threshold of want where all your diverse strainings can come to wholesome ease. Mm. called For the Unknown Self by John O'Donoghue. I'm going to leave it there. I hope that you enjoyed this episode, that you got something out of it. I would love to hear if you have any reflections on contemplation in your own life. If you want to have a conversation with me, I'd love to hear. You can always send me an email or a message. Um, through my website, emmafreemandesigns.com, or on Instagram if you follow me there. And if not, I hope that you find deeper, gentler connections to yourself in whatever ways that shows up. Maybe it's through an art practice or going for a walk or sitting and reading a book that touches you, whatever it is. I think this world... We need more contemplatives. We need more of us to go to deeper realms, deeper spaces within ourselves, and then come back up to the surface with whatever we discover and whatever we notice and 
shape our choices and our thoughts from those deeper spaces and that changes the world I think so okay well thank you for listening and I will see you next time bye